You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We're so glad to have you. If you're a guest or a friend just listening in, man, we're glad to have you too. I hope that this episode of the podcast is a blessing for you. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again on Sunday to see what the Lord has in store for us, but I am still processing from last weekend. I'm still processing a little bit uh, for what the Lord is trying to say to us as a church family, and so thank you so much, church, for covenanting to be a people of prayer. As we dive off into today's podcast episode, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, from the Sermon on the Mount, from the teachings of Jesus, but I want to share a conviction that I've developed um, over the last couple of years, and it's about prayer, clearly. I want to make the case that something that God has put in my heart is that I have come to believe that prayer is the most essential measurement of our spiritual life. All right, so hold on. That's that's heavy. That's heavy. I believe that prayer is the most essential measurement of our spiritual life. So if we want to check our relationship with Jesus, our intimacy, our faith, our love for the Father, our obedience, I believe that our prayer life is the first and most important vital statistic to check. And I would like to tell you why. Now, at the end of the podcast, you may disagree with me, and I think that's fine. This is more of your pastor's conviction and less of a particular Bible verse that I'm supporting. But I want you to know why I believe prayer is the most important vital stat for the health of your personal spiritual life, your relationship with God. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking about religious activities, and he's telling us essentially in Matthew chapter 6 that when we engage in our spiritual habits, the disciplines of prayer or giving to the needy or fasting, that we should be more interested in having a reward from our Heavenly Father and less interested in what other people have to say. In other words, we're not trying to get a pat on the back. We're not hoping that somebody will affirm us or say, wow, great job. So I want to read Matthew 6, now that you've heard me say that, and just listen. Listen for the reminders from Jesus that all of these spiritual activities should be for the Lord and not for the approval of people. I'll read Matthew 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with a trumpet, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, so I want to, when I have finished reading about the, the needy, I don't want to read about prayer just yet. I just want to make the principle clear. So Jesus is teaching that there's a competing audience for your religious actions. In other words, you could be performing your religious service for the pleasure of the Lord because you love the Lord, because you're obedient to the Lord, and because you want to be a part of His kingdom on the earth. Or you could fall into the temptation of using your spiritual life, your religious obedience, 
even to gain status on earth. In other words, when you do something spiritual, are you doing it because you love the Lord and delight in Him or because you want people to think you're good? So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, you know, when the hypocrites give to the needy, they're blowing trumpets, they're making sure people in the synagogue know what they're doing. They want to be sure that other people knew that they did a good deed. And the reason for that is because they really want the approval of the other people in their synagogue and in their community. So in other words, the good deed, even though it was religious in nature, maybe spiritual, if you want to think of it that way, the good deed really wasn't for the Lord. It wasn't out of a pure heart. It wasn't out of obedience. It wasn't to build the kingdom. It was to build their reputation. It was just one more way that they fallen into the temptation to pursue status with their neighbors. All right, so now he's, Jesus is going to apply the same principle to prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer as a model for prayer. But what I want you to see is that He applied the very same logic to prayer that He applied to caring for the needy. When you pray, pray not to be seen by others, but to be seen by your Heavenly Father. Okay, so before I make my point about prayer being the most vital statistic, important vital statistic of your relationship with God, uh, I want to address public prayer. Jesus is telling us that our prayer life shouldn't be lived out in public, but that does not mean that as believers we should not pray in public. You know, if you're asked to pray in your Sunday school class or at your breakfast table, or if you're asked to pray for a friend and somebody might see you, or if you're asked to pray for the church family. Now, I don't want you to go to Matthew chapter 6 and say, wow, I'm not supposed to pray for other people to see me. No, I would say that if your prayer life is only these public prayers, you've got a big problem. Uh, Jesus is not telling you not to pray public prayers in the temple or in the synagogue. He's just trying to check your heart to make sure that your prayer life isn't just for the streets when people see you. So now, if you'll check that off your list, let's go back to the point. Jesus recognizes that even prayer can be sabotaged by our desire to use religious deeds for the approval of other people. Okay, so why did I say that I believe prayer is the most vital statistic for the health of your spiritual life? And for me, it's because of this principle that some of our religious activity and some of our spiritual uh, behaviors can become sabotaged. They can be an effort for other people to see our good deeds and think more of us. But you know, prayer is the one thing that if you're really praying in private at home, your private prayers are the one thing that nobody sees. So in my life, you know, I study the scripture um, and my study of the scripture usually comes out in the sermons or the classes that I teach or the counseling that I give you. And so 
for me, prayer becomes the one thing that none of you see. And I know you hear my prayers from the from the pulpit. I understand that the church hears me when I pray or when I pray for you or if I'm in your hospital room praying. I understand that you see a lot of my prayers. But for me, my prayer life, my personal prayer life, is the one thing that none of you see. And so for me as your pastor, I mean, somebody's going to know of a good deed if I do a good deed. Even even if my right hand doesn't tell my left hand what I'm doing, the person who received you know, that that act of kindness is going to know about it. My, my biblical study, uh, you guys are going to see that in the in sermons, and you're going to you know make comments if you think they're appropriate, or my Sunday school class or in council. But for me, what I find is my personal prayer life, my alone prayer life, is the one thing that none of you can see and nobody can pat me on the back for. And so for me, just personally as your pastor, it's my personal prayer time that becomes the most important checkup for me on my relationship with God. Because it's the one thing that I know isn't sabotaged by somebody else being able to see it and give me status in our church or our community for it. It's the one thing that nobody else can trace or track. It's the one thing that I get no rewards for. It's the one thing that nobody's going to say, you know, great job or even be aware that it happened. And so if I want to monitor whether I am loving the Lord well or whether I'm just going through the motions of my job or the expectations in our community that are placed on me as a pastor, my prayer life is where I can check that. I know if I'm spending time alone with the Lord in prayer. And the only reward I get for that is to be alone with God, like to be in His presence, to be in contact with His Spirit. So it's actually my belief that prayer, for me personally, is the most important mark of where I am spiritually because it's the one thing that you all don't see. So Richard Foster, who is a Quaker and a beautiful spiritual writer, uh, he wrote some books that I read when I was in college. And I just want to read from the, from the book called The Celebration of Discipline. I'm going to read from page 33, the opening words in a chapter about prayer. He says this, Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. I agree with Richard Foster. For me, not only is prayer the one spiritual discipline where only God sees and I'm not rewarded by anybody else, it's also the most intimate moments that I have with Lord. And so I want to encourage you, church family, like fight for your prayer life. Carve out time because, in my opinion, it is the most important discipline. I want to read some other words from Richard Foster in a different book, a book about prayer. This is, this is a few of the things that he said. And while I'm talking about prayer being the most important thing, and while I'm talking about not confusing your spiritual and religious actions, uh, not conflating those with your status in the community, I want to read a couple of words. Um, he says this, It's an occupational hazard of devout people to confuse their work with God's work. How easy it is to replace, and he puts quotation marks here, this work is really significant with, I am really significant. I don't know about you, but I think that's true for me and probably for a lot of us, that as religious people, it's easy for us to derive our self-identity and our status from important or spiritual work. Or maybe for you, the reason you're distracted away from prayer is because 
the other work that you're being called to gives you your reputation and it seems like your identity and it's important for you. I totally understand that. But I'm going to tell you, if we're going to grow spiritually, we have to make time for prayer. Let me read a few more quotes from Richard Foster uh, in this book about prayer. He says this about time. He says, we cannot assume that prayer, I mean, we cannot assume that time will somehow magically appear. We will never have time for prayer. We must make time for prayer. A few paragraphs later, he says this, and I, I marked this with blue ink and wrote a note above it. He says, be assured of this. Everything will try to pull you away from this sacred time. Your phone will ring. Your pen will run dry. Someone will knock at your door. You will suddenly have an urgent need to do something that you have left undone for years. In that split second, you alone will decide whether you will hold steady in the inner sanctuary of the heart or rush out of the holy place, tyrannized by the urgent. I read those words uh, in October of 1999, and I made myself a note in the margin above it. I wrote it directly to myself. I wrote, Ben, make your covenant time a holy time. I told myself to make my heart a holy place and not to sacrifice this for lesser things. So church family, I thank you for allowing me to share a podcast that was a little bit more personal today. But I want to encourage you to guard time for prayer, to make time for prayer. Don't rush out of prayer. And in my personal opinion, prayer has for me become the most reliable mark of my spiritual walk. I hope it will be a helpful mark for you. God bless you, church family. I love you.